And, and Paul's going to kind of continue with the warnings now. So we're, we're going to pick it up in uh, Colossians chapter 2. Paul's warning us about some things to be very, very careful of. So uh, with that in mind, uh, let me tell you what he's going to warn us about, and then we're going to look at the text, okay? Uh, Paul's going to tackle three things of the day, which are also three things in our day, and they have application and, and, uh, to us, so don't get, don't get uh, sidetracked with words. But he's going to deal with the idea of legalism. He's going to deal with the idea of mysticism, and he's going to deal with the idea of asceticism. And those are all big fancy words, but don't worry, they, you, you know, you'll know what they are once we start talking about them. So um, first of all, let's, let's talk about the first thing that he talks about, which is legalism. He talks about this in Colossians chapter 2, and here's what he says. Again, these are warnings that, uh, that he started with um, in order to get down to it. So Colossians chapter 2, and uh, are we back there, Mitchell? Yeah. Okay, we up there? We good? We good? Okay, yeah, Josh, I'm breaking a new guy in. All right, there we go. Look at the first 16. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. So the first thing that he addresses is this idea of legalism. All right? Now, let me give you some background. Let me give you some understanding. Remember I said that in the, in the church at Colossae, there were two groups. There was a Jewish group and there was a Greek group. Um, and they were each saying, okay, you've been saved, but that's not enough. Now you've got to add this. The Jews were adding stuff. And the Greeks were adding stuff. So they were saying, okay, if, you, if you're really going to be spiritual, if you're really going to follow God, you've got to do da 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 and, and Paul's writing, and he's going, no, 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 no. It's about Christ. It's not about da 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 you can't go adding to all that stuff. That minimizes the focus on Christ. That's what Paul argues in this whole book. You see it here with the, where he addresses in these two verses the idea of legalism. Here's what was happening. He deals, with two, he deals with things. First of all, he says, by what you eat or drink. So he's focusing, first of all, on this idea of, of food. Because there are two ideas. <clears throat> One idea was uh, probably the, the Jews brought this in. And they were going, hey, look. You know, now that we're Christians, we can't eat pork because as a Jew, we couldn't eat pork. And that was a way to honor God. And so we think now that's a way that you should honor God if you're really going to follow God. So you need to follow the Old Testament guidelines for food if you're really going to love God. Uh, and Paul, in essence, basically says, uh, no, no, that's, that's not true, you know. And, and he's going to explain to us why in a second. And then they were, they were talking about the days. So they were saying, and you know what? We, we celebrated like Passover, and we celebrated like the Festival of, of Lights, and, and, and we had these days. And, and if you're really a follower of God, then you need to do that too. That's not enough to just be a Christian. You've got to do all this stuff too. And, and he talks in here about festivals. See this festival, the New Moon Celebration of Sabbath Day? Uh, again, they were saying, you know, hey, look, you need, to, you need to worship God on the Sabbath as well as Sunday. And then other people, they think maybe the Greeks were bringing this idea of, hey, look, you know what? Look, everybody in our nation celebrates this day. You should celebrate this day, too, if you're really a follower of God. And they were trying to add all of this, this, this legalistic kind of stuff. And there's what Paul says. He comes in and knows what he says. He said, these are a shadow of the things that were to come. He said, all of those things were pointing to something else. You know, if you'll think about it for a minute, what does a shadow do? 
First of all, the shadow is not the reality. The shadow, you see a shadow because it's, you know, you've seen the movies, you know, somebody's standing there and they see this shadow coming around and everybody's like scared. Why? Because it's a, something is going to come, and usually it was bad. Um, you know, the monster's about ready to come around the corner and you see a shadow first. Um, you don't fear the shadow, you feel what the shadow represents, the reality of the shadow. And Paul says, look, you guys have put your faith and trust in Christ, or so you say, but you want to focus on the shadow. You want to focus on the other stuff that pointed to him. Um, here's, a, here's, I think, a better illustration. Again, you knew I was going to get to this anyway. Uh, I don't have one with me. I probably failed already as a grandparent, but I don't have a picture of my granddaughter with me, okay? Um, so I've probably already failed, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> it won't be the first uh, or the last, but... Um, Let's say for a minute that Jimmy and Aaron were here with Claire, okay? And I got Claire in one of those, one of those buckets with a handle, okay? Um, those bassinet, those, bu- whatever they are. I don't know what they, what are they, I don't know. You know, you know what I'm talking about. Carrier. Huh? Carrier. Baby carrier. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, a carrier, baby carrier thing. And you know how now, now, remember the old days? You know, in the old days, you just threw the kid in there. Now, you know, they got like, like these covers for them. And so that they don't get wind in their face or dirt or whatever else, you know, and they got all these crazy things. And, and, and so let's say, so they bring her in and she's covered up and she's in that baby carrier thing and they hand her to me and I'm holding her and I've got a picture in my hand of her. And you come up and you say, I want to see baby Claire. And I go, here, here's baby Claire. Look at the picture. You go, no, 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 I want to see baby Claire. And I'm like, look at the picture. You're like, well, what's in the carrier? Claire? Well, can we see her? Why do you want to look at her? Look at the picture. The picture is so much better. You know, you'd look at me like I am insane. Why? You don't deal with the picture when you have the real thing. You want to experience the real thing. You don't want to deal with the picture. And that's what Paul argues. He says, look, when you get into a legalism thing, You're focusing on the stuff that points to Christ, not Christ. And he said, don't go down that road. Don't go down the road where you make it about the stuff instead of making it about Christ. And that's that's what Paul argues to these people because that's what they had started to do. And then he goes into this idea of the mysticism thing, and here's what it says. Don't let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you. Such a person also goes into great detail about what they have seen. They are puffed up with notions by their unspiritual mind. They've lost connection with the head from whom the whole body, supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews, grows as God calls it to grow. Um, Paul here argues about this idea of the mysticism part of this thing. Um, and, And here's what was happening. There's a couple of ideas, Bible commentators think a couple different things here. Um, From a Jewish perspective, what they think is um, there was a lot of teaching uh, with regard to angels in in the Jewish world. In fact, in in Jewish theology, angels are higher than man, okay? Uh, Now, God said, you know, so so in, in a Jewish world, it's like God, angels, men, so in, in the Jewish world, there was a great emphasis put on angels, so, like, some Jews would take the story of Ezekiel. Remember, Ezekiel saw the wheel spinning in the air, and Ezekiel, you know, 
in the chariot and the whirlwind and the fire and all that. And, and so they'd look at it and say, you know what, if you're close enough to God, then maybe you'll be like Ezekiel and just get carried away. Um, even as late as 700 A.D., Michael the archangel was worshipped in this area, um, where they put great emphasis on Michael the archangel. So some people think that the Jews were bringing this idea that, you know what, if you really want to get close to God, you need to focus on the angels and try to get in the spiritual thing and, and, and experience an angel. And if you experience an angel, the angels serve God so you can be close to God. And so somebody would come in and say, you know, you're not going to believe what happened to me. You know, this is what happened to me. And, 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 and it was so wonderful. And, it was so, and, and so they started doing that. And Paul said, you know, it's a false humility. You know, they want to come in and go, you know, oh, I'm so home. You know, and, and, and they want to talk about angels. But if you look at the scriptures, anytime an angel is dealt with, and anytime a person tries to worship an angel, an angel stops them right away. An angel goes, no, 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 no. In fact, in the book of Revelation with John, um, you know, it's like, you know, he started away. No, 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 you don't worship an angel. Um, and so th there's that concept. Other people believe that it was the Gnostics who were coming in, and the Gnostics who hadn't become a full group yet, they, the, they, were, they were getting there. In about another hundred years or so, it would be a, a major force. But the Gnostics believed that there was like God, and there was all these emanations from God. And, and, and you go all the way through, and all the way through, and all the way through, and then you get to Jesus. And so the idea was, to get to Jesus... You had to go through all of the angels in order to get to Jesus, so angel worship became very, very important to them. And so, again, it became all about the experience. It became all about the, you know, I've seen an angel, and, you know, the angel talked to me last night. Again, remember, at this point in history, we don't have a Bible like you and I have a Bible today. So, you know, dreams, visions, stuff like that was still a very real concept to these people. So, you know, think about it for a minute. You know, I come in this morning, and I go, hey, you know, I'm glad you're here. I can't wait for you to hear this, but... You know, I, I saw an angel last night, you know, and it said, eat pizza. And, and you know, I, I'm honestly, you know, I'm joking about it, but, you know, you think about it for a minute. I come in here and tell you that an angel spoke to me last night. Now, what do you think about my spirituality? You know, and if I could convince you, if I can do everything in my mind to convince you that maybe it was true, all of a sudden you're going, well, an angel's never spoken to me. You must be more spiritual than me. And they made it about the experience. And Paul says, here's the problem. He goes into it. He says, they are, they, are, they are puffed up with their idle notions by the unspiritual mind. They've lost connection with the head from whom the whole body is supported and held together. He said, look. He said, the problem is they have taken Jesus, who should be the head, who should be the, the one who determines everything else, and they have placed it with experience. And they have said... My experience is more important than Jesus. And so you test Jesus by my experience. And Paul goes, you got it wrong. You pull the head away, everything falls apart. So Paul here argues, he's like, he's like wait a minute. You, they've lost connection with the head. And he talks about up there even the idea that that they disqualify. If you really take that all the way, then you miss Jesus completely. You don't even have a base for your salvation because you have replaced your experience with, you replaced Jesus with your experience. He said, you can't do that. And then he goes on. Um, he takes it down to, to one more. And this is the idea of asceticism. 
And it's a big fancy word, but don't worry, we'll, we'll get it. Um, here's what he said. Since you died with Christ to the elemental spiritual forces of this world, why, as though you still belong to the world, do you submit to its rule? Now notice these are in, these are in quotation marks, okay? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. A lot of people believe that these were, were commands or sayings of the day. That's why they're in quotation marks. That, that they are common sayings of, of people in the church. Don't, do not touch, don't ta- do not taste, you know, um, do not handle. Um, these rules, which have to do with things that are all destined to perish with use, are based on merely human commands and teachings. Such regulations, indeed, have an appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship, their false humility, their harsh treatment of the body, but they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. Remember I told you that in the beginning the Greeks brought into this concept that, that matter was evil and spiritual was good? Okay. People who follow this ascetic idea believe that in order to control or allow the spirit to come into play, you have to beat down the body or the flesh. So the concept was the more... I can subdue or beat the flesh, the more spiritual I can become. Um, a guy who pioneered kind of this movement, the monastic movement, for, for years, the, one of the things that he did is he never washed his feet, he never washed his vest. That was his way of saying, you know what, I, I'm in control of my flesh. Probably the, one of the greatest examples is this. This guy is fascinating to read about, but um, his, his name is... Um, St- Stylites. Uh, he lived about 459 A.D. is when he finally passed away. For 36 years, this guy sat on top of a pole. Uh, they built a, a pillar up about nine feet tall in the beginning. By the time it was done, it was about 50 feet tall. Because what happened is people would keep coming out to him. He lived at the top of a pole for 36 years, <laughs> exposed to all the elements, cold, heat, rain, wind, all of it. Um, and he lived a monastic, ascetic kind of life. And the idea was he wanted to show that he was in control of his body and that he was spiritual by doing it. And people from all over the world came to the city. They would climb up the tower. They would get him to pray for him. They would get wisdom from him. They'd climb back down. In fact, the elders of the, uh, of the area, the church leaders, wanted to find out if this was out of pride or if this was out of humility. So they put him to a test. And they said, we will go to him as elders and say that we believe as elders, you should come down, that that's what God wants for you. If he is genuine, and he's genuinely humble, he'll submit to our leadership, and he'll come down. If he is doing this for pride, he will stay on top. Because the Bible teaches that we're to submit to elders. He said this, this would be a great test. So they climbed up to the top of the pole, and they said, look, we, we believe as elders, as leaders of the church, as leaders of this area, that you need to come down. He said, okay, I'll come down. And they went, no, no, you can stay up here. We were, it was a test. Um, and guys from the little kids, I guess, would bring him food. They'd scurry it up a basket. And so, you know, I got all kinds of questions. I got the same kind of questions you do, but I don't know, okay? I don't know. You'd have to do a lot more studying. Because <laughs> I, I can think of a lot of logistical problems with this concept thing. But that was his idea. And here's his idea. The idea was, in fact, when his mom died, in fact, when his mom died, um, they actually, he did not come down for the funeral. He actually had them bring her body to the foot so that he could mourn and pray for her. Um, but his idea was, this is how he got close to God. It was the idea of these rules 
following these rules, keep me, get me closer to God. And by the way, we have some of the same things. When we get into that practical application of this, you'll understand this. We have some of the same concepts. Um, nobody's sitting on top of a pole for 36 years, but just about. I mean, we do some crazy stuff. So um, here's what he said. Notice what he said. He said, he said, these rules don't have to do, these rules, which have to do with things that are all destined to perish, are based merely on human commands and teaching. He, he, Paul argues this. Notice what he says. He says, since you died with Christ to the elemental spiritual force of this world, and are, why would you as though you still belong to the world, submit to its rules. Here's what he's saying. He had argued this earlier in the chapter. You died with Christ. Remember that? When, 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 when you put your faith and trust in Christ, your old man died with Christ, and you were given a new, new life, a new, a new spirit within you. Paul said, so why then, since you have this new spirit, are you going back and spending all your time focused on this? He said it makes no sense. Spend your time focused on your relationship with Christ. Don't spend your time focused on all the things that you don't do. Don't focus on all the things of the world that you don't do or do or whatever else. He said, focus on Christ. He said, don't get caught up in this idea that, that you can, you, by, 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 by punishing the flesh, you can become more spiritual. He said, don't let it go down that road. Because he talks about this idea. He said, you know, their false humility, their harsh treatment of the body, he said they lack any value in restraining. He said, it doesn't accomplish anything for you in the end, spiritually. He said, because, you know, you're, you're, you're spending all your time dealing with the body. So that, that's what Paul argues. Now, all right. we said all that to get to stuff that's going to make a difference in the way we live this week. So here we go. Ritualism. Here's the idea. The idea that Paul confronts is this idea that by doing certain things, you're more spiritual. So let's take the most common one. We all came to church today. That's a good thing. That's a good habit. That's a good ritual. That's a good routine to get into. But that doesn't make you spiritual. That's what he's saying. You see, you can't focus on the act of it. You have to focus on the heart of it. That's what Jesus says when he, come, when he talks about the Pharisee that would fast and would make themselves look all, but there was no heart in it. And that's what Jesus came, and when he was here, he condemned time and time and time again. See, it's not just important what we do, but why we do what we do. And the problem with ritualism is ritualism focuses on what we do. In other words, it says, okay, you're better than all those people sitting at home this morning watching TV. You're better. You know why? You came to church. Mm, nope. Nope. You're only better spiritually if you came here for the right reasons. Then it impacts your spiritual life. Otherwise, it was just jumping through hoops. It was just punching a time clock. You know, can you imagine going into work tomorrow? If you've got a punch time clock, can you punch time clock? And you sit there all day and you do nothing. And they come to you and say, are you going to work? No, 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 I punch my time clock. I'm here. Pay me. I'm here. Well, we're paying you to do something here. 
We're paying you to work here. Well, no, no, I'm here. Sometimes that's what we do with God. It's great that you pray every day. But let me ask you something. Would it make any difference if you just recorded it and every morning got up and hit play? If it's a ritual, it wouldn't make any difference. It's great that you read your Bible. But if you don't do anything with it, if there's no heart behind it, if there's no purpose in it, you might as well pick up Webster's Dictionary. You know? That's what ritualism is about. Ritualism is about thinking that doing something makes me spiritual. That an activity is the way to spiritual growth. And Jesus condemned that over and over again when he's here. He was always about great that you do that. In fact, like when he talks about giving and tithing, he says, it's great that you do that, but you miss what it's all about. Because you're not doing it for the right reason. You know, he said, it, you know, when you serve somebody, when you give, it ought to be, it ought to be with a joyful heart, not out of necessity or, or because you feel like you have to. You ought to come to church because you want to, not because you have to. Now, I understand, kids, you get dragged here. I get that. Okay? But hopefully when you get to a point that you actually get to make a choice, you'll come on your own. You know? But it's about why we're here. You know? So, great that you came. But now, in order to get the most out of it, it's not about attendance. It's about doing something with it. It's about coming to focus on God. It's coming to worship. It's coming to fellowship. It's coming to come here and find somebody else who's had a tough week and let them know you're praying for them. It's the opportunity to come here and laugh with somebody else and, and, and encourage somebody else and help somebody else and, and, and maybe find out there's somebody in the church that's going through a tough time here and you can go help and you can go do something. It's about serving one another. That's what it's about. That, that's genuinely. That, then you take away the ritual side of it and because it has a purpose to it. And you got to be careful there because we, it's easy to get into. I get into it. You know, it's easy for me to just, you know, you kind of flip a switch and go through the motions and then turn it off. And, and that's okay, but that's not how I'm going to grow spiritually. That's not going to do anything for me spiritually. And that's what Paul said, okay? And, and you know, people are getting hung up on the days and this and that and that, you know, okay, you know, you got to do it. And Paul's like, no, 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 Don't focus on that. Focus on Christ. And then he deals with that idea of mysticism. It's the idea of putting the experience above Christ. And, and you've got to be careful because there's a lot of places, there's a lot of churches, a lot of teaching that, 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 that what we do is we start making about experiences. There's a danger in that. See, every experience needs to be put up against the Word of God. And, and we're in a culture that's pretty gullible. And somebody comes along and says, well, you know, this is what God told me. You know, you don't understand, Pastor? You know, I actually have heard this. And I'll just tell you my response now so you'll never say it to me. But, um, <clears throat> you know, I, I, I've had people say, you know, you don't, you, you don't understand, Pastor. I've tried and I've done everything I could for my marriage. And, 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 and it's been really, really hard. And, and, and I've prayed about it and I've prayed about it and I've prayed about it. And, 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 and God's laid it on my heart that I need to go get a divorce. Flag. Malachi says God hates divorce. Why would God encourage you to do something that which he hates? Oh, I know the Bible says that, but you don't understand my experience. We do it all the time. 
You know, you know I, I know that's what I'm supposed to do. I, I, I know that. But you don't understand that, that, that my experience is that I can get as much out of church by sitting in the woods. Okay, I'm going to get a little personal here. By sitting in the woods, worshiping with a gun or a bow and arrow. And that's a spiritual experience for me. Look, I'm glad that is a spiritual experience for you, but it's not a biblical Christian thing. Okay? To be able to say, that's more important than the Bible, which says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. The Bible says you ought to come here to encourage and help and worship and pray for one another. But you don't know, it's such a experience. I know, I've had those experiences. They're wonderful. I love them. I just can't let them replace something God tells me that I should do. Understand what I'm saying? And it's easy to go here. It's easy to go here with stuff. It's easy to go here with whatever you want, you know. Well, you know, you know, you know, you just don't understand, you know. I know that I know, you know, I know that God says that I should make it right with that person, but but it's just so hard because that person is D D D D D D D. The Bible says, love your enemies. The Bible says, as much as lies within you, live peaceably with all men. The Bible says, well, I know that, but you want to put your experience your situation, your circumstance, higher than God's Word. That's called mysticism. That's what Paul said, don't do that, because you're missing it. You're disconnecting your life from Christ when you do that. And that's why Paul said, be careful there. And anytime you hear somebody says, look, look, you know, this is special revelation, or this is something God's shown to me that He hasn't shown to anybody else, run. Run. Because here's what they're saying. We believe, I believe, the canon was closed at about 2,000. The canon is the Bible, the rule of law, the scriptures. Here's what they're saying. In 2,000 years, God has kept this from the entire world. But now, he has given it to me. And I'm out of here. I'm out of here. You're making me really, really nervous to think that you have that kind of pull with God. Be careful there. And when you start here, when you in your own life start putting your experience or your, 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 your situation above what the Bible says, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. Because the Bible isn't wrong, but your experiences can be. You know, they can be. And the last thing he talks about is this idea of asceticism. Um, and asceticism is just simply this. It's the idea of making your rules a way to spiritual growth, okay? Um, it, what happens is, and, and he uses the illustration of, you know, don't touch, don't handle, don't, don't, don't taste. Um, I, again, I came out of a background like this, okay? I grew up in a background like this. I get this. I understand this. So, you know, if, uh, let, me under, let me give you a little bit of my background, and this may help you understand it. I grew up in a world which, in Christianity, your Christianity and your spiritual growth was defined by the things that you don't do. Okay, typically I came up in a Baptist background, which meant you don't drink, you don't dance, you don't go to movies, you don't smoke, you don't. What else was it we weren't supposed to do? Um, uh, there was a bunch of them. Okay, 
the whole bunch of things that we were not to do. And so when somebody would, would, would be doing one of those things, you automatically threw them in the category of not spiritual. Automatically. It's, we were trained that way. Everybody, everybody in the church was that way. Oh, okay, let me help you with this. Because, see, if you can stop dancing, you're going to be more like Christ. Okay? And that, that's the world in which we grew up in. So we looked at spirituality that way, with that ascetic kind of thing. Now, here's the thing. Some of those things, the Bible did say some things about. And in some of those situations, they are right. But they're not a way to take it all the way to the end and say that's how we measure or that's how we determine spirituality. That was a problem. Because what Paul says, and this is what Paul's going to argue here is, <clears throat> why are you looking at your Christian life and comparing it to the things in the world that you don't do? He said, why are you making that the measure of your Christian life? The measure of your Christian life should be what? Christ. So the measure of my Christian life should not be the things that I don't do, because like Paul's going to argue, these things perish, these things have no value, these things are going to go away. The measure of my Christian life should be, what am I doing that Christ said to do? Because in the world that I was in, here's the thing. You could be jealous. And that was okay, as long as you didn't do these things. You could be angry and have a hot temper. You could mistreat your wife. You could do all those things, because Christianity wasn't about those things. Christianity was about the things that you don't do. And Paul said, that's the problem. He said, you're missing it. You're making it comparing it to the elemental, the rudimentary, the kindergarten things in Christianity. It's like, it's like kindergarten. You know, my wife, she, she, she will tell you that. What does she have to do? She has to tell these kids, don't do this. Why? Because at this point in their world, their understanding of stuff is this wide. And so it's got to be very simple. And in her classroom, there's a lot of, don't do this. We don't do this. We don't do this. This is what we do, this is what we do, this is what we do. As they get older, they start to understand the whys. And ultimately, you want them to get to the point that no one has to stand up to them and say, don't hit another student. They internally know that's what they should do. Why? Because they're trying to be nice to everyone. They're trying to be kind to everyone. They're trying to do the positives, not the negative. So here's the thing. So when Jesus comes on the, on the site, on the planet, and is teaching, what does he teach? The Beatitudes are not a list of don'ts. The Beatitudes are a list of be's and do's. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are thee. Blessed are those. And he goes through that whole list. Why? Because it's about what we should do. It's about being like Christ. And, that, and that's what's so important. And so what happens in, with, in that ascetic kind of thing is we think that the more we beat up the body, the more that we have a list of don'ts, the more that we use that as a standard for growth, the more spiritual we are. And Paul goes, no, 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 you're missing it completely. It's not about what you're not doing. It's about what you are doing. You know, we want to measure Christianity by 
how much we love one another. How faithful are we to the truth of Scripture? How honest are we with one another? How caring are we? You know, you go, oh, but what about them? They're doing, I love them. I pray for them. I come alongside them. I encourage them. I help them grow. I don't make it a measure of their spirituality. I don't make it a measure of their spirituality. And that's where it's so, so, so important. And Paul's argument is this. What is it going to do for you as far as your spiritual growth goes? Um, years ago, and, and this used to be a big thing, I don't, and some of you, this might be your thing. Okay, Again, I'm trying to think of practical things that, that help us. Years ago, there was the idea that, that Christmas was a pagan holiday, and we shouldn't work Christmas, and dee, 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 and so Christmas trees were wrong, and some of you might have a problem with Christmas trees. That might be your thing, okay? No problem with that. That's your thing. That's your thing. More power to you, okay? If that's your thing. But don't make it a measure of spirituality. Because here's my thing. <coughs> if not having a Christmas tree makes you focus more on Christ and Christmas and makes you focus more on the real meaning behind Christmas and makes you focus more on the less of the idea of Santa Claus and, and all the stuff that goes with it and it, and, it, and, it, and it brings you more in an attitude of worship that don't have a Christmas tree. And God bless you for that. That's great. That's a great way to spend Christmas, focusing on Christ. But if you don't have a Christmas tree because you want to run around and tell everybody else that they shouldn't have a Christmas tree because you're more spiritual than them, we got a problem. Okay? we got a problem. Because it's not about Christ. It's about your, and this is what Paul argues, your false humility to think you're more spiritual than everybody else because you do something that other people don't do. Right? See how that goes? See how that plays out? And that's really important for us. And this is what Paul's going to argue. He's going to argue over, over, over again this. It's about Christ. Keep the focus on Christ. Christ is sufficient. He is enough. You don't have to be adding this ritualism and mysticism and asceticism to it to say, okay, if you're going to be spiritual, no, 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 no. Just pour your life into being like Christ and learning everything you can about Christ and trying to be like Christ. That's what you do as a believer. You don't need all the sideshow stuff. And if some of that sideshow stuff helps you learn more about Christ and get closer to Christ, great. Just don't make it a measure of spirituality. Make sure it's focused on Christ. And make sure it's about Jesus, not about your legalism or asceticism or mysticism or whatever it is you want to add to it. That's what Paul argues here. And that's what's so important. Oh, this thing's going crazy. Um, all right, so here's where we go. Let's wrap it up this way. Paul reminds us that our focus needs to be on the sufficiency of Christ. Rituals, experiences, rules have a place in Christian growth. But they are not the means to Christian growth. Those things only have genuine value to Christian maturity if they're sourced in Jesus Christ.